The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program, WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, its staff or management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on 89.3 FM WMKV. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vina Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, your nation's public radio source for what you need to know to make money investing in real estate all over the United States. And today, we're going to talk about something that you hear mentioned here on Real Life Real Estate Investing fairly often, but 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 we're really going to get down to the whys of why you need to belong to your local real estate investors association. Joining me today to discuss this topic is Jim Shapiro, past president of the Greater Cincinnati Real Estate Investors Association. He is also on the board of the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association and has participated with a number of local real estate associations as consultant speaker uh, has just just been around a lot of the groups in this part of the country so uh, welcome Jim hi Vina thank you very much nice to be here and yes this isn't this isn't going to be a love letter to real estate investors associations because neither one of us really you know gets paid for our our, our work with various uh, uh, Ria groups as as volunteers and and board members and so on and um, that is, is actually one of the uh, key things that we need to discuss about these associations. Uh, they they do come in a number of flavors and uh, what uh, the flavor that your local association comes in is is one that you're going to have to. Uh, determine for yourself, but uh, you will hear them called. Now we're gonna we're gonna say RIA because that's what we're used to saying. We're gonna say Real Estate Investors Association, but you'll also call the, see them called landlords associations, property owners associations. Um, uh, the group in Philadelphia is called DIG, which stands for Diversified Investor Group. There's there's a Acre in Pittsburgh, the uh, American Congress of Real Estate. So. Uh, um, Lifestyles Unlimited in Houston. They come. They come in in different names, but they they are either uh, like Cincinnati Rea and most of the groups uh, in Ohio and in our region, not for profit associations, or they are for profit associations which are owned by an individual. And in the not for profit associations, I, I would guess most of the ones in the majority in the country right now. Uh, are not-for-profits, uh, I think one of the key advantages is nobody makes money for 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 putting on certain kinds of education. So there's more of a, there's more of a, a, a objective 
are we going to bring the speaker on because they're great as opposed to are we going to bring the speaker on because they're going to make us money <laughs> exactly so just to for for those folks who um are maybe not familiar with how these groups are run why don't why don't you just describe for a moment about how uh, how how the typical group happens so, yeah you know, the the newsletter and the programming and the the the, the special events and so on well the the typical group has uh, a series of regular monthly meetings, membership meetings. In our Cincinnati area, we have two a month. And at each meeting, we have two speakers at every meeting or two different topics that are covered or panel discussions. We also have a buy-sell trade uh, where people have the opportunity to get up and say, I have something for sale. I'm looking for something. I've got I've got a set of kitchen cabinets I want to get rid of. Uh, then there's often... Uh, subgroups on special topics. In our case, we have one on landlording, one on wholesaling, one on retailing or rehabbing, uh, one on uh, creative finance. Uh, we've had, and we've had different groups over time as the market changes, uh, short sale subgroup. Uh, and then there's uh, guest speakers we might bring in. We bring in four or five national speakers a year, and they'll typically attend one of our regular Thursday night meetings, and then they'll come back in a week on a Saturday and do an all-day workshop, or sometimes a Saturday and Sunday. Uh, earlier this year, we had two different attorneys come in for a Saturday-Sunday workshop, one on buying and, and wholesaling apartment buildings, apartment complexes, and one on raising private capital. Uh, both of those were attorneys giving topics that they might charge three to $5,000 to go to one of their their boot camps or workshops on, and this was a $99 workshop, eight hours with a attorney teaching people how to legally raise private money. That's a tremendous value. And we had, I don't know, we had almost 100 people there for that. Uh, and then we, you know, there'll be some social activities, uh, some volunteer activities. We're involved with government and community uh, efforts. There's so much legislation happening that affects property owners, most of it in negative ways that real organizations have become active in, in the community. Uh, there's, you know, we all know the, uh, I am what the right word is, the character, the, the snidely whiplash, the evil landlord that is so often the, what people picture in a landlord, and yet in our community 60% of the homes are rental, and we know that 60% of these homes are not owned by bad people. The bad guys always get the attention, and when we get active in the local community, we're able to show that, we're often the ones who are buying the worst houses, fixing them up, making them either rentals or resales, putting families in. Uh, we are the ones who are putting our own private money in. Uh, the real estate investor community is, is not very well appreciated or understood in the country. We're always seen as the, you know, these bad guys, but actually we're the ones solving lots of problems. No one calls us up from one of our We Buy Houses signs and, and makes a deal unless it's good for them. And we offer a lot of value, and we are the ones taking off in the worst situations in the community and fixing them up. And we're going to buy that building for twenty or thirty, forty thousand, and we're going to spend another twenty, thirty, forty thousand, or in some parts of the country, you know, add another zero to those numbers. And you know, we're not getting government funding. We're not getting grants. We're not. You know, we're we're all putting our own blood, sweat, and tears into this. And. As we work in the community, we get more appreciation for that. Mm -hmm. Now, different real estate associations in different communities offer 
different mixes of benefits. And, you know, some have libraries, some have um, uh, breakfast time meetings for advanced investors, some have uh, vendors uh, that, that, that offer discounts, and, and they're, they're all a bit different. But even, even with just the benefit of getting to, get to, <laughs> getting to get together with other real estate investors once a month, you would think that every single solitary human being on the entire planet who wanted to invest in real estate would belong to their local RIA. And, and that, that is not what we are finding out in the world. We are finding it is a small percentage of folks who do that. Well, that's, that's my experience that I mention RIA to people all the time who are, who are buying or selling or landlording, and they say, what's RIA? And, and our RIA in Cincinnati has been around for 35 years. We're one of the oldest in the country. So... It's uh, it's amazing to hear that you know, and we've had as many as twelve hundred members. So when I meet people, you know, eight or nine out of ten who say I've never heard of it, uh, it's a shame because they could probably learn things that will make them more successful, more profitable, make their life better, keep them out of trouble. I hear horror stories all the time from especially landlords who don't really know the laws and rules they've got to follow, and they'll do silly things and then they'll get themselves in real trouble mm -hmm. we hear all kinds of reasons uh, from from folks not just here in the area but anywhere in the country about why they don't uh, jump on the opportunity to join their local real estate investors association even when they have heard about it, uh, one common misconception is that because it is called the Real Estate Investors Association or because it's called the Property Owners Association, that you must already be a property owner or real estate investor in order to join, or that the association is along the lines of a stock club, mm -hmm. and that it's a bunch of people that get together to buy properties together. And that is that is just that's just a huge misconception about what the associations are all about. Absolutely. Uh, in our organization and many of the ones we see, there's a real wide range from the newbies who come in, some learn enough that they like it and they stay with it, some learn enough to say this isn't right for me. Others are in for three, four, five years until they really have found a niche, learned what they need, and they may stay peripherally involved but they're not as regular an attendee. And others become longtime active members, and it becomes a, you know, something that they feel is a is a real value to their business and to their life. And they, uh, man, I don't know, Vina, you've been involved with RIA for don't for, ask, don't even ask, long time. <laughs> I used to I used to edit the newsletters for Spelling back when I was fifteen and sixteen years old. I wasn't a member, of course, but my father was the newsletter editor, so and wasn't a great speller. And we didn't have spell check back then. Tells you how old I am. Uh, so w when we come back, we're going to divide it down, listeners, to you personally. What, whether you are a newer investor or a more experienced investor, whether you're a wholesaler or a re retailer or a landlord or a creative finance person, the specific reasons why you need to truly make an effort to join and attend your local real estate investors association. We'll also be taking your questions or comments at 772-9658 in the greater Cincinnati area. If you live outside greater Cincinnati area, call 877-772-9658 or send us an email by 
to uh, to askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, talking today to Jim Shapiro about why you, yes, if you're listening to this show, you should go join your local real estate investors association. There are benefits there, I promise you, for beginners, for experienced and advanced investors, for landlords and wholesalers and retailers. And one of the uh, very interesting things about most real estate investors associations is they, in a way, give you the chance to design your own education. Because in the yearly topics, you know, most, most groups have minimum of one meeting a month and many have a meeting a month plus a subgroup or two meetings a month or two me- two meetings at each meeting. Uh, the The volunteer program directors are always looking for topics. And if you have something that you'd really like to hear, boy, I'm, I'm super interested in this idea of mobile homes. Go tell the program director and they'll say, yay, I've got a topic that I can go find a speaker for. Uh, unlike the more structured boot camps where you're going to maybe learn one thing and it's going to be based on what the instructor's outline says, as opposed to what you need to know. Um, now, Jim, the the beginners, the new investors, are not typically the people that we have a really hard time convincing of the value of real estate investors associations. They, they kind of get it. Well, they're thinking about spending fairly large sums of money on something. And one of the things we we attempt to convey is that education often equals profit. And if you know what you're doing, your chances of being profitable in this business are much, much higher. And if you take the, uh, the school of hard knocks approach, and I'll learn it as I go, uh, the, the mistakes often have, you know, three zeros, sometimes four zeros attached. Uh, so if uh, a deal had a potential $35,000 profit and you mess up and now you're, you know, you've cut your profits in half, you'll say, oh, uh, that was an expensive seminar and it took me a lot longer than I wanted. I wish I knew what I was, wish I knew now what I, wish I knew then what I knew now. And going to RIA and hearing people that are teaching about it and meeting other local people who know your market and know what they're doing and can help you be successful is a huge benefit. And one of the things in this business, we're not really competing with each other. There's thousands of investors in Cincinnati, and some don't think of themselves as investors. They think of themselves as landlords. They think of themselves as as rehabbers. But they're involved in one way or the other in buying, fixing, selling, or leasing rental property, or leasing uh, residential property, or multifamilies, apartments or self-storage units, or mobile homes, and, you know, we're not all competing. There's thousands of homes for sale, just because I'm looking for one that has certain criteria, and you might be looking for one with the exact same criteria, but it's unlikely we're in the same neighborhood, and there's likely in our city right now, there's 10 in that neighborhood, so we help each other a lot. I was amazed when I first joined RIA how much people were willing to help me that didn't even know me. I just moved to town and I found this organization and all of a sudden I've got these strangers who you know, are happy to sit down and talk, happy to give me referrals, happy to say, hey, when you do something like this, look at that. Uh, sometimes people would come over and look at a property with me, you know, and I'd take them to lunch or I'd, you know, do something for them in return. 
I wasn't paying $350 for a home inspection to go look at a, at a piece of investment property. And then after I've looked at a few hundred, people were calling me up and saying, hey, can you help me? And I know I've gone through homes with people and helped save them from making big mistakes. Two weeks ago, a fellow called me up. He wanted me to manage a property after he buys it and renovates it. He had it under contract. And I walked into it with him and I said, you know, there are two rooms on the second floor that he thought were going to be bedrooms. And I said, well, neither one of those has a window that's big enough for legal egress. They both had windows that were about 15 by 32. I said, you're not going to be, it's a Section 8 kind of neighborhood. I said, you're not going to call this a bedroom because they won't let anybody live in it. It was a brick house, so there's no way to make that window bigger. And on the first floor were two closets and the two bedrooms downstairs, one of which was a walkthrough to get upstairs, that had uh, closets that were about 15 by 15. I said, you can't put a hanger in that closet. So this is a terrible rental house, and you're going to find that it bleeds you over time because people aren't going to want to live in this house because it doesn't have some basic functionality. And it looked pretty. It was a solid brick house. It had new windows. It had a nice furnace. had a decent-sized kitchen. And yet it wasn't a functional home by modern standards. And you know, potentially I saved him getting into what could have become a, a horrible nightmare. And his comment to me was, I keep looking at houses. Other people get in before me. I got tired of it, so I just made a good offer to get this house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and boy, that's a that's a strategy that will come back to haunt you. Mm-hmm. So finding people that can help you with those sorts of things can be a huge plus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And something that you said in in that story is something that especially new investors, but all of us need to recognize. We get we get most of our formal education in this business from national speakers because they're they're the ones who have put together that three day boot camp where I can start not knowing what wholesaling is and end up with all the forms and contracts and understanding the process and so on, and that that is really not the role that Ria fulfills. Ria is not going to be teaching you know three or four day events on everything you want to know about. What they will be doing is putting the right people in front of you to learn that from, but. Learning something from a national speaker does not necessarily mean it's going to exactly apply exactly that way locally. And I'll give you a great example. We had a, a re-sponsored a boot camp um, a, a few months back by a, a wonderful national speaker who is very, very well respected in the business, who said, if you're going to buy properties to resell, they need to be three-bedroom, two-bath houses with a two-car garage. And where where she is from, the houses are much newer uh, in general than they are here in Cincinnati. And in Cincinnati, the reality of it is, in in the same in the same kinds of neighborhoods that the speaker was um, um, promoting, you know, go buy buy houses in these kinds of neighborhoods. We don't have two bath houses. We don't have a lot of those, and we certainly don't have three bedroom, two bath with two car garages. Right. So a lot of the, um, I noticed at the last meeting, a lot of the people who had gone to that boot camp were talking to each other and they were talking to experienced renovators in the area and saying, do you really have to have a two-car garage? Because I can't find a house with a two-car garage. And the renovators were saying, no, no, if I've got a one-car garage, I'm pretty happy because that's that's our older housing market here in the Cincinnati area. And that sort of that sort of little detail of 
I can't find any deals because I was told by the national speaker three bedrooms or two baths and two car garage. And there is no such property that I can get around here. Uh, that's the difference between are you going to beat your head up against the wall for a year trying to find that perfect property? Or are you going to go to your local real estate association, get that little tweak? No, it only has to have a one car garage and go make a deal tomorrow. Right. So just just that sort of thing uh, is so important. And for for new investors, for people who truly, you know, they're in the educational stage, they want to go do something, but they're they're not even sure what they don't know. The the Real Estate Investors Association is not only the cheapest way oh gosh, <laughs> to yes. to find out what uh, what what different strategies are available. Uh, I mean, the typical dues to a typical Real Estate Investors Association are under three hundred dollars a year, not not a month, a year. Uh, where we're seeing we're seeing national companies come through town selling coaching programs at literally thirty thousand uh, dollars, and then your mentor is typically not in your backyard. <laughs> and he doesn't know your market, and uh, yeah, we see that all the time. People come to us after having gone to some big name people that have TV shows and books and all this stuff, and they're going around the country, and they're coming to town and they're doing six. You know, two-hour workshops in a two-day period or a three-day period at every part of town, and they're going to sell their $30,000 seminar. And then people join us, and they say, oh, my God, I could have gotten much of the same stuff for free or for you know, $300, $400 and had that $30,000 to buy my first deal. Mm-hmm. We hear that over and over and over again. And then, like Vina said, the that national person, you got a mentor in Kansas City, and you're in Cincinnati – they don't know our market. They don't know the difference between one part of town and the other. Um, it's a it's a big, big benefit having access to people who understand your market. Let me also add a comment. A lot of people, when they think, oh, I'm going to buy real estate, the first thing that comes to mind is call a realtor. Well, a lot of realtors really are not real estate investment savvy. They Some are. And probably not the majority, although in the market that's shifted in the last few years, a lot of realtors are gone. Uh, and a lot of realtors, they know how to list a house and sell it. I, I had When I got started, I had realtors offering me deals and telling me what great deals they were. And then I, I actually was signed up with a mentoring program with Vina. And I remember one of them, she said, oh, that would be a horrible deal. He's giving you comps from the other side of this main street, where it's a big neighborhood with a lot of redeveloped houses and big houses but I was on the side where all the gangbangers were and the rundown houses, and he was telling me this house was be worth 135 when it was done, and they were trying to sell it to me for around 80, and it would have been a horrible deal. It probably would have wiped out my entire business. Four years later, three years later, that house sold for 28. So had I paid 80, I would have been one of those people in foreclosure. And the next guy would have paid twenty eight. Mm-hmm. So yeah, for for beginners, it's sort of a no brainer uh, to 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 go join your local real estate investors association. You already know you need the education. It's much uh, less expensive. You're still going to get education from national uh, speakers and gurus and educators. But you know, one one other thing that I want to point out before we go to break is that. When you go to your local RIA, when you're when you're considering making an investment of a thousand or ten or thirty thousand, you know, in in education, it's always good to talk to someone else who's already been through that education. Because I can stand up in the front of the room and say anything about this boot camp that I'm doing and what it's going to do for you. But really, the the best the best 
testimonials or um, advice is going to be from people who've been through it. And I, I promise you, if you go to any decent sized real estate association and just ask around, you'll find somebody who's been in classes or, or you know, taken home study courses from that guru. And it's it's a, it's a good way to keep from wasting your money on things that aren't going to help you. And also just, uh, you know, aim your education toward what you actually need. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. You can call us with your comments or questions about joining Real Estate Investors Associations at 877-772-9658, or you can send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest is Jim Shapiro, past president of the Real Estate Investors Association of Greater Cincinnati and a multiple-year veteran of both the Cincinnati RIA board and working with other groups around the region and the Ohio State group. And we're talking about why you need to join a real estate investors association, even if it's not the one in Cincinnati. We don't care which one you join. Just, you know, go go join one for heaven's sakes. Before we leave the topic of beginners, uh, let's um, just mention one other thing. Psychologically, one of the things that we see over and over and over that stops beginners from actually becoming investors is not an education thing, but a psychological thing. They get they get motivated to do it. Maybe they go to one of these, you know, free previews or weekend seminars or something like that. But then because it is so different from what they're doing in their everyday life and because they've got their jobs and their families and all that kind of stuff, they sort of just lose the focus of, all right, I, I learned what to do. Am I actually taking the time out to do it? And coming to a meeting once a month or a meeting in a subgroup meeting keeps uh, them focused. Ke- keeps you focused. I mean, when you when you when you see people that uh, are are no smarter than you and have no more money or credit than you and start at the same time as you starting to come in and say, oh, I just made a five thousand dollar wholesaling check, or I just bought my first rental property, it, it makes you realize that you know you're not out there alone trying to reinvent the wheel, and that you can also do that if you will just do the same things that they did. Well, and another great benefit, anyone who starts looking at getting into this business is going to have people in their life who say, what? Are you crazy? What are you doing that for? The real estate market's terrible right now, which is, you know, we hear that all the time. And this is the best market investors are ever going to have, uh, probably in the rest of our lifetime. And yet people will say, oh, this is terrible. Real estate values are down. Why would you want to get into real estate? It's like, what happened to buy low, sell high? This is the best time you could possibly have. And yet there's there's all the naysayers in our lives who are whispering in our ear, oh, you don't want to do that. You're going to be one of those, you know, bad guys. You're going to be a landlord. Why do you want to do that? And it's really positive to go to a group where other people are doing this and they respect it and they support you in it. And, you know, when you start going home to your friends and say, hey, I bought that first house and I sold it and I made $24,000, well, your friends will stop putting all that negative in your ear, and you won't care if they do. <laughs> and yet it takes a, you got to overcome that, because I know when I got started, some of the people in my life thought this was crazy. And they said, why don't you just become a realtor? Why do you want to be an investor? Or why don't you just go get a job? And I've been in the corporate world for 20 years, and I was tired of that, and I took something different. And 
you know, and it was fun and it was exciting and had its ups and downs, and I have no regrets. And it was really when I found Rhea, and all of a sudden I was not on my own, and I found that, gosh, there's 300 people a month coming here to talk about this stuff and friends, and, and it's become a lot of friends in my life through this. Uh, it was a huge advantage, and it certainly made it much, much easier to stay with it and to stay focused. Okay, so, yes, beginners, I mean, you get it. Just take some time. Go to go to nationalria.com, see if they've got a, a chapter association in your area. If not, Google you know, Google your area plus and try Landlord Associations, try Real Estate Investors Association. I rarely see towns of more than about 50,000 people that don't have at least a small real estate investor or landlord group. So just, just take the time to go find them and then go to the meeting and then join and then see what you can get out of it. Or what do you see? You buy houses and you know, we buy houses signs. Call those folks up and say, hey, how did you get involved? Do you know other people? Is there a group in our area? Because a lot of those people are doing the same thing we're doing, and they learned about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those uh, they're they're telling you where to go. Just call them up. Mm-hmm. The much bigger challenge is convincing the more experienced investors that they need to join or stay with their local groups. You mentioned that that many times uh, people will join. They'll they'll stay around for four or five years. You'll see them at the meetings and so on, and then. They sort of get their little cookie cutter, and then they their membership lapses, and they say, "Well, you know, I'm real busy." And plus, I've seen all the speakers, and you know, the topics are just repeating themselves now. And I know what I need to know, and that's another sort of misunderstanding. And 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 it's probably it's probably our faults collectively as real estate association members. Uh, board members that we we focus so hard on the educational part of it. We focus so hard on oh we've got all these meetings and there's all these speakers. There's stuff there for experienced investors too. I think so. Uh, first, there's always just learning new stuff. Even if you're gonna you've been landlording for 20 years, there's always something new to to do. Uh, there's partners. There's deals. There's how to do how to, how to be bigger. How to go from you know, smaller deals to bigger deals. There's private lending and putting together partnerships and doing it the right way. That's not going to get you crosswise with things like the Securities and Exchange Commission. Uh, we see lots of people advertising for private lenders in a way that is no longer considered okay, and yet there and some of those folks end up in real trouble. Uh, and as and when and when the when the laws change in regards to your business and and whether you know we'll break it down to to what your exit strategy is in a little while here, but uh, landlord licensing comes to your city, landlord registration comes to your city, uh, um, vacant building maintenance licenses, the EPA lead safe rules that came out about two years ago. Weirdly, that's not in the newspaper. I mean, you're not it it, it directly affects your business. Uh, some of these things can cost you huge amounts of money, huge amounts in fines and, and so on, if you don't comply with them. And you're not going to hear about it anywhere other than your real estate investors association. Until you get slapped slapped with something <laughs> bad and expensive. Uh, buying a property that you didn't know had a vacant building license requirement, which is something that came up in Cincinnati a few years ago. And you could buy a property and find out that, oh, we, you have to pay the government, the city of Cincinnati, 
between one and five thousand dollars because the last owner never paid for their permit and they've it's been sitting there that they have to do it and suddenly you inherited a five thousand dollar unexpected expense that adds nothing to your property you're gonna have to pay that just to own this building mm-hmm. and if you don't you can get sued by the city mm-hmm. uh, and they can you know go as far as condemn the property and generally uh, to be honest, if you're a member of these associations, you don't even have to come to the meetings to find this sort of stuff out because most of the associations have newsletters that are delivered by mail or by email or, or on the websites or whatever. And when something like this comes up, it it is, in fact, distributed out to the members. But, uh, you know, you may say, well, you know, why would I pay $300 a year to find out something, you know, something major might change every year or two. It seems like a lot of money. The... You made the point of it doesn't matter how good your cookie cutter is, somebody's doing a part of it better than you are. And it's always worth, you know, if you get one piece of information a year that helps you rent every vacancy you have one month sooner, obviously that has paid for your entire membership. But I think um, the more experienced investors, uh, what what they're really missing out on by not continuing to be members and continuing to come to meetings is both the cross-pollination of ideas. I mean, how, how many people have we seen come back to real estate investors associations in the last two years because their business changed so drastically? They had it down pat <laughs> through yep. 2007. They had it down pat. And then they struggled all by themselves for four years to figure out how to fix it when there's people who have figured it out. Yeah. And and they're at the local RIA. And, and the... One thing in, in any kind of business, especially a small business, the market's always changing, and the the technology's changing, the laws are changing, the financing rules are changing, uh, and and not thinking what's happening next. If you're doing the same thing in 2011 that you were doing in 2007 to buy, fix, and sell houses, you're probably not still in business. Because the whole marketplace changed, the whole target changed, the issues of financing changed. So, you know, people coming back sometimes get, you know, that that new perspective and they get, oh, I never thought about doing it like that before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And even, again, folks with absolute cookie cutters, I always buy the same house in the same neighborhood and I rent it for the same amount of money and I do the rehab exactly the same way and I'm perfect at it and no one is more brilliant at my strategy than I am. I promise you if you'll try going to your local association and just talking to people, it, it can be improved. <laughs> no one, No one's going to try and tell you that your cookie cutter isn't working for you, but uh, you know, as someone who's been investing full time for over two decades, I very often learn things from people who have much less actual experience than I do. You know, someone who's been doing it for four or five years, but they've tripped upon some great quick way to process applications that uh, you know takes me five days and it takes them two and here's how and uh, they've, they've discovered some great new flooring product that uh, is cheaper than than laminate and and lasts longer uh, those kinds of things are, are constantly making me make tweaks to my business and also experienced investors if you ever do a rehab if you ever if you're someone who buys fix and sells houses or you're a landlord who has to do turnovers and renovations. One of the biggest challenges in your business is finding the right contractors and then keeping them. They they tend to 
flare out and you're out looking for another roofer or another plumber. And you can do it the way you do it without real estate associations, which is somebody told me that this guy, you know, one of my other contractors recommended this guy, I'll try him out. Or you can go to the Real Estate Investors Association and find and just ask people who's a good roofer and you'll get four or five people who say he is because I have used him, not he is because he says so. Right. And, you know, there's other ways to screen people. Uh, there's a couple of websites and those are all expensive. And, and, you know, I can always go to the yellow pages and open up to the full page ad and find a really good company, but they typically... They're not the kind of pricing that we're looking for in our business. So absolutely, the uh, yeah, there, there's just there's always something new. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I've seen people that, that got in real trouble was they had a cookie cutter and it worked really well, and they did it for 15 years. But in 15 years, that neighborhood wasn't what it was 15 years ago, and suddenly the values in that neighborhood have declined because it used to be largely unoccupied and now it's become more rentals and more subsidized housing. Or the other way around, it used to be a rental neighborhood and now people it's upgrading and people are expecting a higher level of right. finish than what they've been doing. And their kind of basic rental grade property is not cutting it anymore. And so, but and they thought, oh, I had a model that was perfect and it was for 10 years, but in the last five years, everything has changed and they're... They're in trouble. Uh, we probably have a break coming up. When we come back, can we talk a little bit about landlords? Ab- as a- absolutely, absolutely. One And one, one more quick thing for the experienced investors in all strategies. Um, don't, don't miss out on the opportunity to give back to, you know, if you're somebody who belonged to RIA and who, or a RIA, and who got a lot out of it and got a lot of um, advice and mentoring uh, there's a lot of rewards to, to, to being there to do that for other people. And they're not just the karmic rewards or the, oh, that felt good. I kept that person from making a huge mistake rewards. There are also some actual rewards because, you know, if you've been landlording for 30 years and you're tired of it, there's probably some young go-getter there at, at, at the group that would love to partner up with you and, you know, hey, give me, give me, give me 10% of the, of the interest in your properties and I'll just manage them from here on out. I mean, there's all sorts of, of synergies that can happen between people with more time than money and then the more advanced people who might have more money and less time and energy. So uh, don't miss out on that opportunity either. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about why you need to be in your local RIA, whatever your strategy Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Uh, don't forget that you can go to realliferealestatemobile.com and download an application to get live streaming shows on your smartphone and tablet. That's realliferealestatemobile.com. Also, don't forget to go to askvina.com and get on our mailing list because... That way you will receive weekly lessons uh, via email as well as notifications about upcoming shows and uh, what we're going to be talking about and uh, prep your questions and talk to our guests. That's askvina.com. Go to the Try Venus Free e-letter button, put in your email address, and it'll keep you up to date on a lot of different things that are happening around the area, around the station, and around the country in the real estate investing world. Uh, So, Jim, I got a question here via email. 
via askvina at email.com. Uh, this is from Jill, and I'm not going to read what city she's in because that would sort of give away uh, what uh, association she might be talking about. But this is a common complaint that we hear. She says, I used to belong to our local real estate investors association. What I found was that the leadership was very cliquish and that they didn't seem to be very welcoming of new investors. I never went back because it left such a bad taste in my mouth. And I, we hear that about... I, I can't think of a group that it's at some point in time I haven't heard about it, heard heard something like that. But um, I find that that is often much more the perception of the person who's saying it than the reality of what's going on. I, I think that's the case too. And, and one thing, if you want to become a self-employed, uh, self-motivated entrepreneur, sometimes you need to break through that sort of stuff. If If that becomes the barrier that keeps you from you know, developing a business that's going to make you money and create a retirement for your family and create all the things you want to create from real estate, you know, I'd say go back and sit down next to that people and, and start talking to them because you might find that, you know, they come to these meetings, they've been coming for five, six, eight years. People show up once and never show up again, so they don't really, you know, they don't make that effort anymore because they've had hundreds of people come and go. But with the one that comes and sits down next to them and says, so tell me about your work. All of a sudden, they got a new friend. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you just got to be a little bit bigger and say, I really want to get the value out of this. I'm not going to be put off that easily. You know, and organizations, cliques are just part of life. We had them in high school. We had them in every organization I've ever been in had some cliques of one sort or another. And it doesn't, you know, it didn't stop you from doing other things in your life. If this is important, yeah, you, know, you have to kind of push through that. Well, and understanding that that what what you are perceiving is clickishness, which is you walk into a meeting and there's a knot of board members standing over in a corner talking to each other, and not they don't turn around and smile at you when you walk in, is again not necessarily what's going on. They could be there uh, talking about a pro, uh, yeah, we've, we've got a we've got an event this weekend, and the bus company is telling us we can't have a bus. I mean, there's there's uh, there, there's other things going on, and yes, people. I, I walk into groups. And I see people sitting around tables, and they're very intent on conversation with each other. Well, that's probably because they're making deals. Right. And that does absolutely does not mean that if you walk in and, and say, oh, hey, I'm new. I'm just joining the group. Um, can I sit down? What do you guys do? Uh, Mind if I listen to your conversation? Yeah, gen generally, yeah. unless unless there's some like deep financial detail going on, you're going to find these folks extremely open to wanting to talk to you. You can barely shut them up, in fact, once you get them going. And, uh, and you would find that they would be extremely surprised that you, Jill, found them to be cliquish. They would say, right. what do you mean? Why not? We love talking to people. I remember when I first came to RIA, and I, we had an event, and it was a networking event, and I, was, and I realized I was sitting at a table with 10 people, and none of them had ever bought a house. Some had been around for two or three years, but they weren't doing, they were just coming to meetings. And I realized that these aren't the people I need to be spending my time with. And I looked at who's the click, and I went and sat next down to, down to some of the people who were involved in that sort of stuff, and very quickly... I was on the inside, and I was getting invited to go on Friday night to play cash flow or to – there's a group of people going out for a drink after the meeting, and you know, boom, they, they weren't – they had no problem having new people join, but you know, you just had to make a little effort 
And that's the the challenge. Mm-hmm. We've got a few minutes left. And yes, and we've talked about the advantages of begin- for beginners. We've talked about the advantages for more experienced investors. I think it's fairly obvious why someone who wants to wholesale needs to belong to their local association because that's where their buyers are. We talked about how people who like to fix and flip, uh, that's where you're going to find contractors. That's where you're going to get discounts very often from your suppliers. And you know that every dollar you're not spending on carpet is a dollar that's going into your pocket as a retailer. That's where you're going to find good contractors. The people that it is absolutely hardest to convince across the United States, no matter where you're, what, what group you're talking to, the people it's absolutely hardest con- to convince to join and attend a real estate association is landlords. I, I think that's true. And I, I think there's kind of two categories. Some of the old timers that have been doing it for 30 years and they're going to do what they do. In this market, thousands and thousands of us are buying houses that never owned them before because the prices are so low and the potential cash flow is better than it was, you know, dramatically better than it was five or ten years ago when I started. Those are the ones that have, and yet they don't think of themselves as an investor. Just you know, that house down the street, their friend's mother died, and they bought the house, and they're going to be, they're going to rent it out. And they're not thinking, I'm a real estate investor. They're thinking, oh, I bought a rental house. And and sometimes they're still thinking that when they've bought their tenth rental right. house. This is, I'm not a real estate investor. I'm an engineer. I happen to have these real estate investments over here on the side, but uh, yes, the, the 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 sort of mentality is not well. I want to be a full time investor, thus I I must go and get myself highly educated through these real estate associations. Most of the people who belong to real estate associations are not full time investors, and a lot of them don't want to be full time investors. So again, a misperception. Um, you know the landlords who are who are in the active buying stage, and that's that's many many people out there right now. You got to oh my gosh, you have got to get educated about everything from fair housing to lead paint disclosures to um, landlord tenant law management. How to how to actually get your rents collected? How to screen tenants well? And those are all things that you can learn at your local. Not you're not not you can learn. You're going to learn. At your how local to real rehab right for rental, which may be very different than rehabbing for resale. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're going to rehab for rental and you plan to own it in five or ten years, you want to make sure everything you do is going to last. Uh, because tenants are likely to be harder than a homeowner. And homeowners take better care of their things because they've spent $80,000 or $180,000 to buy that house. But that tenant who's paying 800 a month, you needed to make it pretty solid that they're not going to tear it up that easily. I think I think the question you have to ask yourself if you're in that category of I have a job, I have some rentals, I don't really think of myself as a real estate investor is okay, well is this a hobby or do you intend for it to make money? Right. <laughs> because if you intended for it to make money, paying 150, 200, 300 dollars a year to belong to a real estate investors association and just be kept updated through the newsletters and 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 maybe you only go to the meetings when the topic has to do with landlording, maybe you don't go when it has to do with wholesaling. But the one tip, uh, one 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 thing that you shouldn't be doing that would get you sued. You know, one thing that you should be doing that will rent your units faster. Uh, one one vendor who uh, has cheaper flooring materials is going to be worth a whole lot more than uh, than your than your membership. And I can tell you that even if it is just a side thing. Being professional about it is going to make you more money and ha- and create less hassle 
in your life as a landlord. Learning things like, should I create an LLC to protect my assets, to limit my liabilities? A lot of people just buy houses, put them in their name, and something happens one day, they're in a car accident, and they get sued, and suddenly every every piece of real estate that's in their name is on that lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've heard lots of stories over the years, people getting wiped out and wishing, gee, I wish I had learned a little more what I was doing, because over time I collected quite a little portfolio, and I risked it all. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Or my, my kid got in an accident, and everything I have is at risk. Mm-hmm. So... It's inexpensive. It's going to make you money. It's going to save you money. You need to find your local real estate investors association and join. Go to nationalria.com to locate a list of National RIA chapter groups or simply Google the uh, City and Landlords Association and see if you can't find one because we wouldn't be standing here saying this if it weren't very important to our careers and the careers of many, many people that we have worked with over the years. We'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing.